the trajectory of somebody's life in this room. I don't know who needs to have a, 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 a course correction in their journey, but God's going to help you get a course correction in your journey today. Amen? So, Father, in the name of Jesus, as we prepare for the word of God, we give ourselves to you. We lend our hearts to you. We yield ourselves to you. And as the elders said, we, we say yes. And we let our yes, Lord, be a complete sentence now. So, Father, in Jesus' name, send an anointing that makes teaching and preaching easy, an anointing that makes receiving the gospel even easier. And today, God, we pray that we don't just hear the word, but that we absorb it in a deep spot of who we are and that we and that this word would not let us rest and it wouldn't let us relax and wouldn't let us just give in and let it be like every other sermon but father let this word be the base the substratum the foundation for which the next 10 years of our life will be built off of we give yourself your name the glory we give you all the honor in jesus name somebody shout amen now put your hands together and give god a hand praise give him a hand praise amen all right you can be seated in God's presence smile at somebody and just tell them it's just church 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 um I want to spend some time for the next couple of weeks I want to talk about vision somebody shout vision say that loud shout 2020 vision it's it's fitting it's a moniker it's a play on the year 2020 it works itself out uh but this this year, different from the last few years, I want to talk to you about vision. Somebody shout, I've got vision. Say that loud. Shout, I've got vision. Even if you're not sure if you've got vision, you should declare it because you do, even if you don't think you do. You've got vision. Vision is powerful. Vision is important. Vision is a critical aspect of civilization and human nature. Everything that has been birthed that is great was birthed by vision. Civilization moves forward by vision. Great people like Nimrod, one of the earliest kings who, uh, who, who laid the foundation for biblical civilization for us, had a vision for how it should go. Uh, great thinkers and great authors, painters like Picasso, artists like Mozart, had a vision for what their music or what their artistry would look like in the world. A vision. Somebody shout vision. The Wright brothers had a vision about flying. They had an idea that they were exhausted with walking. They were exhausted with ground transportation. And, and they put their mind together to not just, I want you to understand how, how phenomenal flying is. Not only are you suspended in midair, you are moving at speeds that are in the two three sometimes 400 miles per hour this idea this idea these were phenomenal and fascinating ideas that were birthed not by happenstance not on accident but they came because of vision somebody shout vision Amelia Earhart, she was a woman who, who decided, you know what, I'm going to take a solo flight through the Atlantic, and I'm going to be not just the first woman to do it, I'm going to be in an industry that shuns women from doing it, which is to be a pilot. Vision, somebody shout vision. The impossible is done when people have vision. Being suspended in midair is impossible until you've got vision. 
building an entire civilization that would be the cornerstone for all modern civilizations doesn't happen on accident. It happens because somebody has vision. The impossible, in the middle of the desert, they had aqueducts, they had mathematics, they had sciences. In the middle of the desert, life was happening. The impossible happens when you've got vision. Bill Gates had vision for the way he said, I want every person in the United States to have a computer in their home. And that is just about the case because he had vision. Somebody shout vision. And then Steve Jobs got saved and made Apple. And if you're born again, you have been a recipient of his gift of vision in this world, his Apple products. I'm saying that facetiously because everything great that happens in the world doesn't happen by accident. It happens because somebody had vision. And God wants you to know that not only is God a God of vision, but we are a people of vision. You have vision. You've got an idea. You have vision. You have something embedded inside of you that is supposed to play itself in the earth. And whether you walk in it, acknowledge it, or moving in it or not, I want you to understand that God has given you vision. God is a God of vision. Everything that you see, the earth, the stars, the depth, the, the seas, the oceans, the world, human nature, uh, mankind was not an accident. It was the product of a God that had vision. It was a product of a God that had an idea of the way that the world, that uh, an idea of what he wanted. And when he spoke it, it became, watch this, his idea, his vision came to life. We're going to talk about vision today. This week and next week, I want to dig into your vision. And I want to talk to you a tad bit about four principles uh, of which all vision is, is, is birthed off of. We'll talk about that today. And then next week, I want to help you walk and take the next step into understanding the vision, the specific vision that God has given you for your life. But let's, let's, let's look at the definition of vision. Here's the definition of vision. It's having a strong sense of what you were meant to do. It's having a strong sense of what you were meant to do and knowing how you want to perform it. Vision is not, it's, it's, it's a sense. It's not what you see. It is a sense. And that's important to understand because we oftentimes think that, oh man, I don't have a vision for myself. In other words, I don't see myself doing something. And vision is not always something that you have to see. Vision is something you have to sense. What you should be doing in this world is, a, is, a, is an inner sense. It, it is insides that is governing what your faculties can do and what your faculties can see. So it, when we talk about having a vision, we're doing it in the sense, the biblical sense of having a sense of what I was meant to be doing. Notice, I didn't say what I should be doing because we don't always know the what until we get developed the sense. Once I can realize that there's a sense that I should be uh, encouraging people or I should be inspiring people or I should be making people feel better about themselves. I realized as a young man about eight or nine years old that when I came to the room and brought my best self in a room, people felt better. I realized that. I realized that when I came into the room that people were inspired, people, they laughed, people were excited about whatever it is that they were doing. I knew that at nine or ten years old. I didn't realize until I was a teenager that I could turn that off and ruin people's day. 
I didn't realize that I can walk in that same room that I gave life to and shut my gift off and be muted and let chaos just go at it. I didn't realize that. I didn't know that I could manipulate that aspect of it. So as I got older and realized that, wow, man, I've got some kind of gift. I don't know what I should be doing with my gift. But God, I realize that I'm at my best when I'm helping others get to their best. I'm at my best when others feel inspired. I'm at my best when others feel encouraged. I'm at my best when others feel coached. I'm at my best when others feel like somebody is listening and that they have compassion. That for some reason, me energizing others energizing energizes me. And all I knew to tell the Lord in my 20s is I want to do more of that. God, I want to do more of that. I don't know what it's going to look like but I have a sense. Somebody shout sense. And that is at the base of vision is having a sense of what I was meant to be doing. Not what I can do, what I was meant to be doing and knowing how to perform it. That was what was next. Because as I started praying in my journey saying, God, I'm starting to sense something. I'm starting to see, uh, you know, who I could be in this world. What does it need to look like? How do I perform it? What could that be like? I'd love to use my mouth and do it. I'd love to communicate through storytelling to do it. And God started to send people around me that helped me understand that you can take all of those things that you, that you are right now, the vision you're starting to see for yourself, and you can literally put a hat and a whistle on, and you can coach kids and coach people and encourage them and motivate them and push them and excite, and you'll be doing what you were meant to do. Or you could put on a shirt and a tie and we could stick you in a classroom and I can give you something to learn, to, to regurgitate and you can motivate and inspire and challenge and give illumination and you can get that same excitement in a classroom. Or you can answer this call to ministry and you can stand on a stage on Sundays and on Wednesdays and, and, and all over the world and you can speak and teach and challenge and inspire and motivate and draw out of. He says that all of those places are, 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 are ways that you can perform the vision that you have for yourself. Do you hear what I'm saying? Vision. So you got to be careful deciding on what to do before you know who you are. Vision is birthed out of the sense of this is why God brought me here on this earth. And wherever I am, I'm going to be performing what God put inside of me to perform because that is the vision, somebody shout vision, that I have for my life. Every person in this room has the same uh, competency as it relates to what God has spoken. I want to give you a couple of quotes for your own sake. I want you to notice Dr. Miles Monroe, one of my favorite authors. He said this about vision. He says, sight is a function of the eyes, but vision is a function of the heart. Sight is a function of the eyes. Vision is a function of the heart. When we talk about vision, it's not about what you can see yourself doing. It's not just about what you see happening around you. Because what you see will oftentimes lie to you about what you should be doing. I'm preaching better than you saying amen. What you see is oftentimes something that's trying to derail you from performing what God really told you to perform. See, I've, I realize that, uh, that, that God has given me a lot of gifts, and sometimes I see things that, I, that my gifts can perform that are not why God put me here on earth. I was driving downtown about a couple years ago, and they were putting up a hotel building, and I was like, boy, I, I bet I could build a hotel. I, 
I was like, I bet I could build a hotel. I started talking to the builders and all this guy. And the guy was like, man, all we got to do is just raise a couple of million dollars and we can, do, we can do this. And it's easier than raising money at a church. And he's right. He's right. I said, you know, I said, and before I realized it, what I saw, I saw myself doing. But, but and, and I probably could have done it, but it wouldn't have been why God put me on this earth. And I just gotten to the point in my life where I don't want to just do things I'm capable of doing. I want to do what I'm supposed to be doing. And the church said. So it's not just a function of your eyes, but it's a function of the heart. I want you to see what Helen Keller said. Helen Keller uh, is an inspiration to all of us. She cannot see. She is blind. She learned how to read by doing Braille, but she, she wrote books and was a phenomenal spokesperson for, for, dis, for disabled communities in America at a time where they took disabled people and didn't interject them into society. They put them away in a house or a home or they locked him up in the institutions. And she had the vision that said that even though I don't have an ability to do all of these things, I can still do great things in the earth. Because watch her quote, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. The only thing that's worse than being blind is to be able to see the world, see what's happening, see what's going on, but not be able to find vision in your heart to perform something that makes you meaningful in this earth. So vision is not just about what you see. Somebody shout, I see more. You see more than what your eyes see. Your spirit man is looking for the word of God to connect with. And when your spirit man connects with the word of God, something comes alive inside of us that our eyes have not yet necessarily grabbed a hold to. That's why he told the, the children of Israel that I've got something for you that eyes haven't seen and ears haven't heard. And neither has it even entered to the heart of man what I have in store for them. He said, I got stuff for you that your eyes haven't seen. I've got a vision for you that your eyes haven't looked at yet. And, but the, one of my favorite quotes is by King Solomon. Now we're in the Bible in Proverbs chapter 29. Some of you know this. He says, where there is no vision, people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Now stay with me because this is an important context of scripture. The Solomon understood this, is that where, there, where, no, where they don't have a sense of where they should be going, people perish. Now, perish therein is the operative word because perish in our uh, lifetime, it means to die. But he is not speaking about death in this context. When he talks about perish, he is meaning, uh, he, it is a word more likened to the idea of spoiling. He is like, when the, where there is no, you know how we bring non-perishable items? Items that can't spoil? Items that don't get derailed from their purpose? Items that are not, that are not going to be mishandled or misused? He, he said items that are non-perishable. When he says perish, he's speaking to some degree the idea of spoiling. So where people don't have a vision, where there is no vision, people get wasted. Where there is no vision, people are wasted. People are spoiled. Gifts and talents are spoiled. Ideas are spoiled. Uh, communities spoil, not because they're bad people, but because nobody has vision for it. Now, literally, literally, he is, the idea is that of, of 
with the transliteration of perish, which is the King James transliteration of the word. But the literal idea of the scripture is it, it would read like this. It is not, it is where there is no vision, the people cast off their restraints. So the, the King James Version takes the idea of spoiling, of rotting, of wastefulness. But the literal translation takes this idea of something that no longer has restraints. He says where there is no discipline, or excuse me, where there is no vision, people will be undisciplined. He says that where there is no vision, people will do whatever it is that they want to do. Where there is no vision, people will have so many choices in front of them, they'll try to do them all instead of doing the two or three things that God called them to do. Because vision somewhat becomes the navigation system for your journey. And when nobody has vision, then we, you can just start off on the journey and end up in a place that you never saw yourself landing in. Have you ever been in a situation in your life and you ask yourself, how in the world did I get here? Okay, okay, maybe, maybe it's somebody else that's sitting next to you. You ever ended up with somebody and you're like, how in the world did I get here? Are you in a marriage that you never thought, like, how did we get to this place? Or maybe you're in a, at a job and you're like, how in the world did I get, how in the world am I the king of the negative crew? Like, how did that happen? When did I become the king of the everything is sour crew? How in the world is everybody around me not striving for anything more than what we had last summer? You ever looked up in your life and say, where in the world, how in the world? It's because, it's because when there are no vision, when there is no vision, when nobody is operating in vision, you'll get off and take roads that'll lead you to nowhere. So the Bible is saying that one way that you can move your life forward is to have vision, a vision for your life, a vision for your family, a vision for your neighborhood, a vision for your children, a vision, watch this, for yourself, a vision for your church, a vision for your business. God is saying that, if, that where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. I want to give you a great example. If you, how many of you ever rode the train? You ever rode the train anywhere? The train is, is, a, is a real viable form of, of, of transportation. And every now and then, I would jump on the train because it's a really nice ride up the coast to go to like Los Angeles or places like that. And it was really comfortable. I could do my work on it. And I'd go back and forth. And the train was a really cool place to, to go. Now, the train is laid on tracks. Now, what a track is, is tracks are, uh, they are the thing that helps the train get to its destination. That's what it is. Now, the tracks were laid by somebody before they created the train. So the tracks were laid and the tracks had stops and depots you know if you go to LA you stop three times before you get there you're going to stop in Laguna or excuse me Oceanside you're going to stop in Laguna and then you're going to stop in downtown and these stops were put there by the architects of the train they understood that if somebody wants to go to Los Angeles they're going to have to at least make these stops for, for whatever purpose and for whatever reason. And if you want to go beyond L.A., they're probably going to make you get off the train for a few minutes so they can refuel the train to get you to wherever you want to go, Bakersfield or wherever you're trying to get to. But the tracks, somebody shout the tracks. The tracks become an important aspect of the whole transportation journey. Why? Because a train that doesn't have tracks gets derailed. And in order for the train to get to its destination, it must be on the track. 
and the track are the restraints that keep the train on schedule to get it to its destination. And what the Bible is saying is that a person that doesn't have a vision for their life don't have tracks for their life. And they'll never get to their destination because the destination, the vision, is the restrictive force that allows the motor of the train to get from point A to point B. And if by chance the train decided that it was going to come off the track, that's how the it is called being derailed. And our lives, and some of us in this room, we started out life trying to get to one place, but something happened along the journey that derailed us, and we're no longer, we were no longer on the track to get us to where we wanted to go, and we got to a place called, how did I get here? Am I talking to anybody? Am I talking to anybody that made a horrible decision, and now you're like, how did I get here? It's not because you're a bad person, you just got off your tracks. God, help me in this place. Yeah, you looked up, and when you get off your tracks, you waste your money, you waste your energy, you waste your heart, you waste your time. You'll look up and you'll say, how did I get here? And God says, because you got off track. Because you let something else steal your heart, something else steal your vision, something else steal where you're trying to go and what you're trying to, what I'm trying to do in your life. And God says that, I know it feels restrictive, but if you can stay on my tracks, I can get you to where you're supposed to go to. Tell your neighbor, stay on the tracks. Are there stops on God's tracks? Of course there are. Are there pit stops on God's tracks? Of course there are. But I'll tell you what, it's a hard, I would rather the delay that was scheduled for me in Oceanside that, than the delay that was unscheduled for the train getting into an accident falling off the track. Are you following what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? I would rather, I might, it might get on my nerves, like, oh, my God, I hate this. is always a 30-minute stop. I wish it was only a five-minute stop. Can't people just get off the train, let the other people get back on, and let's keep going? Why do we have to be here for 30 minutes? I would rather the 30-minute stop on the track. Y'all not talking back to me. Than the three-month hospital rehabilitation delay that I'd have to go to if my train ever jumped the track. So he's, that's what he's saying. So vision is, is something that will help you navigate yourself through your life. You can have victories and you can go from one level of your life to another level if you stay true to the vision that God has given you and put in your spirit. And, that does, and just because you've got a vision for your life don't mean that it's easy. Because you have a vision for your life doesn't mean that there won't be hiccups and hurts and heartbreaks and things along that nature. God is... is is dedicated to getting you to the vision, but he never promised you that you just because you stayed on the track, there won't be any delays. But what we do know is that if there is no vision, you'll find yourself working with your hands in an area you don't love. You'll find yourself working in an area hard in an area that you have no passion for. Y'all are not talking back to me. You'll find yourself trying to make a house work with somebody that you had no vision for. Y'all not talking back to me. Y'all are awfully quiet in here, all right? So I wanna talk about four foundations of vision. Somebody shout four foundations. Four foundations. Everybody's vision should be built on these four foundations. And here are four things I want you to know about vision, and then uh, I'm gonna get you out of here. We're gonna pray, and I'm gonna get you out of here. Here are the four foundations of vision. First and foremost is that God is the source of vision. 
You don't derive vision on your own. God is the source. Everything that you desire, everything that you want, it resided in the mind of God before it resided in your heart. Did you hear what I just said to you? All right, watch what the Bible say, that the plans of the Lord stand firm forever and the purpose of his heart through all generations. Somebody shout the purpose. The pur God's purposes did not take a generation off. God's purposes don't take a you messed up off. God's purpose does not take time off because you want to do something else with your life. Y'all not talking back to me. When God situates a purpose, God creates based off of his purpose. He does not create something, let it define itself, let it do what it wants to do, and then he adjusts to try to create a world for a thing that's making its own decisions. God doesn't work like that. When God creates, he has already thought about what it is he's going to create. He has a reason and a purpose for the creation, and, it's, and all of that is in God's mind before he puts it into play. He makes sure that the environment is ready for what he creates. He makes sure that what he creates is situated in the right season of life so that it'll grow when it grows. When God gets ready to put something in the earth, he has thought about it before he performs it. Did you notice the pattern? God prepared before he performed. Did you notice the pattern? Preparation before performance. And that's the way God, God is the source. So he doesn't put his purpose in the earth and not know what he's going to do about it. You didn't get here and then God say, man, what should I do with her? God didn't get, he didn't get here and say, well, I'm going to give her about four or five years to try to figure out who she is, and I'm going to watch her while she's in her infant stage and toddler stage and, and her young childhood, and then maybe I can find out in her childhood stage who she is, and then I'll set out a purpose for him. God doesn't operate like that. God thought in his head that this person is going to be using their intellect and their mathematics in order to create a world that is better for all humankind and God says so I'm going to take intellect from me and I'm going to put it in her and I'm going to take numbers from me and I'm going to put it in her and I'll concoct it through the psyche of her hormonal and intellectual capacities and make sure that she understands numbers and scientific things better than she understands other things and then I can't put her here in 2001 because people are not not operating by graphic design and through mathematical design in 2001 like they would be in 2019 so I'll wait until the atmosphere is ready for the seed of this person to birth and be at his best and when I put it into the world watch now he said that what I put in them at the beginning will come out of them in due time and I become the source of the vision that she would have later when she figures out some miraculous incredible invention that the world has never seen or experienced before. You see how God operates? His plans, the purposes of his heart operate throughout all generations. So he's not changing his mind because you made a mistake. God is not trying to figure it out because you're off the rails. God, uh, okay, balcony, y'all can be more real than they are down here. Uh, God, God is not trying to rewrite a script because you made a mistake and messed up the script that you, was, that you were working on or living out. God says that I've got purposes. I am the source of all vision. I have a vision, and your vision comes out of my vision for you. If we can understand that, 
if you can if you can put that to work in your life and you can understand that whatever vision you have for yourself comes out of the vision that God had for you from the beginning all right look at this scripture write this one down Isaiah 14 and 24 also says this the Lord Almighty has sworn in other words God says this that surely as I planned it somebody shout God planned it somebody shout God planned it God says as surely as I planned it don't make a mistake about you are not orchestrating the events of your life God is orchestrating the events of your life have you ever seen, well, pastor, that means my decisions don't matter. No, that's not what I'm saying. I want you to, have you ever seen kids bowl before? You ever seen children bowl? And they put these little bumpers on the lane. And I, I mean, I could use some of those, but people I play with be acting funny. So, but, but what the bumpers, watch what the bumpers do. When a kid bowls down the aisle, they generally don't bowl straight. They bo the ball goes in the direction of the way the child has pushed it, but the bumpers help the ball get back in the lane so that they can have a strike. And this is the way that God operates in your life, is that when we are living life, yes, we get to make choices and decisions for ourselves. And sometimes it's not a straight line to make a strike. It's off to the left because this is what I was feeling or off to the right because this is who told me I was cute or off to the left because I thought I could make a lot of money doing this but what God has said is that for the people I love I put parameters on how far you can go so you'll never get out of my lane God help me in this place that's why you ought to praise God because God makes sure that you have a strike in your life every time even when you try to then you find the bible said when i would to do evil y'all not talking back to me he was trying his best to get off course i was trying my best to get off course and then i would do some good stuff in the middle and then i found myself off to the right so when i tried to do good i realized i was bad and when i did bad i realized that somebody good was working on my behalf my god today Somebody tell your neighbor, you're going to make a strike. You're going to make a strike. It don't feel like it right now. But, but God says, as surely as I planned it, I planned on you making a strike, not on you striking out. I planned on it. God says, surely as I planned it. He says, so it will be, right? Right? All right. As said as I said, the reason why I put you in this earth, that's why you're going to. That makes sense. Make sense? He said, the reason I put you in this earth, he said, it, it's going to happen because I planned it to happen that way. And I know you're rebellious right now, and I know, you're not, I know you don't like it right now, and I know it ain't making money like you was hoping it would make money. He said, but I planned it, right? And the decisions that you make, eventually, if you don't stay in the center of the lane, you're going you're gonna to bump on something. And the beauty of who God is is that whatever you bump on always moves you back to the center of the lane. I, I, I thank God. I thank God because every pain that I ever been through put me back on my knees before God. Every hurt that I ever went through made me lay prostrate before. Everything that I thought was destroying me actually was just making me lay prostrate before God. And I give God the praise now that every bump that I hit didn't hurt me. It redirected me. And the church said, Number two, somebody shout number two. 
All right? God is the source of your vision, but also God, your vision is about God's plan. Many are the plans of a man's heart. This is Proverbs 19, I'm telling you. Many are the plans of a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. I want you to notice two words. Uh, 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 man's heart. Man's heart. There are plans that are going on in your heart that God is not behind. He said, many other plans are in a man's heart. That means you are not a monolith human being. You're a human being that is able to absorb what you go through. So when you see things and when you experience things, it is natural for you to see yourself doing the things that you see. You can see somebody sing on stage, and before you realize, you can see yourself. I could rock that too. I can keep a tune, and I'm in the shower. All I need is a stage. You know, you see people doing stuff, and it's easy to put yourself in the driver's seat of the car that they're driving because that's human nature. That's, now, it, and for some of us in here, it's probably something you can do. It doesn't mean you should do it, but it is something that you can do. So we create all types of plans in our hearts, things that we could be performing, stuff I could be doing, things that I could operate in. But just because I can do it doesn't mean God ordained me to do it. That's why he said, but the Lord's purpose is going to prevail forever. So now, even though man has got stuff happening in their life, the Lord's purpose is what's ultimately going to prevail. I was uh, out and about, and I was doing so much corporate work a couple of years ago. Man, I was doing so much corporate work. I'm trying to tell you, I almost changed careers. I mean, not literally, but you know what I mean. I, I was doing so much corporate work, and I was starting to think that the Lord must want me to do corporate speaking because there was certainly an anointing on the way they paid us doing corporate. There, I, there was the, the Holy Ghost. The, the Holy Ghost was on. Y'all not talking back. I really, I really wanted to do church work, but, but the Spirit of the Lord was on corporate checks. And I was certain that corporate check, I'm telling you, get a check and you'd be speaking in other tongues. And, uh, and it's like, God, you must want me to be a corporate speaker. This, this, I can't do this part-time. I should be doing this full-time. And when I take the checks to the bank, the bank lady had a shot in her spirit. She was like, oh, good God almighty, the spirit of the Lord is upon you. And, and I said, yeah, he must be. And he must want me to do more of this because there is clearly an anointing on me doing corporate speaking. Y'all not talking back to me. Because a plan in my heart, plan in my heart, plan in my heart. And as I laid before the Lord and I told the Lord, I want to do more of that. And I want to pull myself from this. So you know how we do it. We start telling people, I'm going to raise some of y'all up to take me. In, and then we're going to do it the Bible way. And God caught me in prayer one time. And God said, because you can't do it doesn't mean I told you to do it. God, help me in this place. He said, you get back to your position at that church I told you to get to. Because, watch this, because your track is taking you to a destination that that place is not going to end you in. He said, that's for your life. And it was like, well, God, was I wrong? Am I in error? And God didn't say you can't do it. He just said, you don't build a life out of it. The many are the plans of a man's heart. I had plans. Y'all not talking back to me. I had plans that God said, it's, it, it, because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. And one of the issues of our lives is that we're doing things that we can do. While corporate speaking is something that's important to me, I had not at the time found a way to do what I do on stage in corporate rooms. So I became more of a teacher, instructor, and a consultant more than I became an inspirer, more than I became an encourager. 
So I gave them practical tools to run their business, but I didn't give them good stuff to make their life be better. And I'm wired not just by helping you run your business better. I needed to find ways to make your life better. And until God tailored that message to where it was operating within my vision, I was doing what I could do, not what I was called to do. Amen. And that makes a difference because doing what you could can do is what got you in jobs that you are performing well at but are not satisfying to you. Because you can do it, you're doing it, but you don't love it. You're performing it, but there's no connection to it. Because you can do it has never been the litmus test for God as it relates to people walking in vision. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So your vision is about God's plan. So at the same time, when God gave you vision, he gave it to you according to the plan he had for your life. So now, whatever it is that I'm believing about for myself and dreaming about for myself and wanting to give out to the world is not for myself. It's because, God, this is why you put me here, and whatever I do is going to add to a bigger plan that you have for my life. So, God, my vision is not just about me and my family. It's about you and your family. Amen. You hold inside of you a piece of the vision of God. I want you to write this scripture down. I didn't put it in the notes, but I want you to put Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11 down. I want you to have this in your spirit. Watch what God tells them. He says he has placed eternity and put it in the heart of man. Somebody shout the heart of man. Watch this. That means that your vision, well, Pastor, I don't have a vision for my life. I don't have a vision for my children. I don't have a vision for my family. I don't have a vision for my, my gift set. I don't have a vision for it. I want you to understand something. If you don't have a vision, it's not as far from you as you think. God said that I have taken eternity. I've taken where I reside. I've taken where I put my ideas, where I put my thoughts, where I put my strength, where I put my aptitude and my ability. I have taken eternity, a piece from eternity, and I put it inside of your heart. So now all you have to do is not go to your favorite talk show host or your favorite preacher or your favorite book. You don't have to go to those places to find out the vision for your life. All you have to do is look inside of what I put inside of you because what I think of you is already in you. God, help me in this place. What God thinks of you is inside of you. And you don't need to have somebody tell you or some book give it to you. God said, if you can spend time with me, I will show you great and mighty things, watch this, that you did not know. That's what the Bible says. So it's inside of you. Eternity is in your heart. Somebody shout, it's in my heart. How you figure it out is in your heart. Who you've been is in your heart. What God wants for you is in your heart. And God says that, that while, while many other things get implanted in your heart, also realize that the word of God for your life is in there too. Well, I failed and I did do this. And then I tried this and that didn't work. And I did this and this wasn't cool. And I did that and I got hurt. And I did this and it broke my heart. Everything that's in my heart doesn't work for me. I want you to understand, on top of all of that stuff, God's promise for you is in there too. Don't run from your heart. Dig in deeper. Your vision is about God's plan. God is going to bless a whole bunch of people when you walk in your vision. People are going to come to know him when you walk in your vision. There's going to be healing that's going to happen when you walk in your vision. Well, pastor, it's got to be a big ministry thing. It doesn't have to be a ministry. Ministry is not just church. 
We made you think that ministry is relegated to, to a church and to a church confine, and you've got to preach a sermon. Listen, I, the, the man that serves, that's going to serve you your meal when you break fast today, when you break fast today, after fast today, amen, the God that's going to serve you your meal, if he, has, if, he has, if he knows who God has called him to be or her to be, and she serves you with the heart of the vision that God has for their lives, then, even, then their waiting is only a temporary step to get to the big thing that God told them, but if they're operating in it, it becomes ministry to us, y'all are not talking back to me. It becomes ministry to us. You have, you have no, have you ever had somebody at their job be a blessing to you? You just look up and be like, you know what? This is a real blessing talking to you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Here, stamp that. What floor again? Okay. Real blessing because it's ministry. So ministry doesn't just happen in church. Ministry happens everywhere you're operating in God's, in God's vision. So vision is about God's plan. It's about God's plan and God's plan for your life, which the plan that he has for your life is ultimately about his plan anyway. And vision, number three, principle number three, personal and corporate vision, personal versus corporate vision. This is critical that we understand the way God's method operates. When God is talking about vision, he, uh, vision uh, is oftentimes uh, something that causes us to detach from the tree and, and replant ourselves someplace else. That's what vision makes us do. We talk to somebody or we sit with a guru or we listen to somebody, inspire us and motivate us, and we realize that, man, I got stuff that I could be doing. And what we do is leave the community of our current and we plant ourselves so that we can walk, quote, unquote, in our vision. I want you to see that, that while that is not necessarily wrong, it's not necessarily right either. Because there is a dynamic that God intended for us to operate in as it relates to corporate and personal vision. You won't develop personal vision until you are walking in, until you're moving in a corporate vision. You are not operating in your personal vision until you are helping somebody else bring about their vision. When you become a part of a corporate uh, or, or collective, when I say corporate, I'm not talking about uh, a, a workforce. I'm not saying you got to go work for a Fortune 500 company. Corporate just means co-together. When you're, you, you, God doesn't give you an individual vision without attaching you to supporting and bringing about another vision. That's the way it works out. And the togetherness of bringing about another vision is what we call corporate. So the way that God moves and the way that God operates, he puts vision in somebody's spirit to perform it. And then we, then we become uh, facilitators and co-laborers, co-laborers. We become co-collaborators, co-laborers, collaborate. We collaborate, co-labor, where the Bible says co-labor. We become co-labors with a person that has a vision for how we should be laboring, and we give our best to it. Watch this. And as I'm serving somebody else's vision, my own is starting to come to the forefront. Is that... 
Do you understand how that works? Is that there is no exposure breeds desire. And if you're not exposed to things, then you'll never have a desire for your own thing. So the way that God intended for a vision to work is that God gives a vision to somebody who's been serving in another vision, and then that person grits his collaborators together, and they serve the vision, and out of that, your vision will uh, emerge because you will have been exposed to different things. Let me help you understand. This is the way Moses operated in the Bible. Moses was a great example of personal and corporate vision. The story of Moses begins in Exodus, and in Exodus, the children of Israel were slaves to the Egyptians. Moses' mother put him in the basket to try to save him because they were, they were, they were do, uh, uh, killing or having genocide against all males that were born because the Hebrew women were having so many children. She didn't want her son to be murdered at his birth, so she put him in a basket and she pushed him down the Nile River. And what happens is the, uh, the king's sister is out bathing and she notices like, hey man, there's a baby that's caught in that basket over there. She falls in love with this child who happens to be a Hebrew child who should by right be a slave. But she takes him into her house and she falls in love with him and now she treats him like he's her own son. He becomes best friends with the king's son. So now they are being raised together in the, he, in the Egyptian way of life. This Hebrew boy is being taught the Egyptian life. He is learning royalty. He is learning what is expensive and what's not expensive. He is learning what has value and what doesn't have value. He is learning how to treat honor, how to have honor. He is learning how to submit. He is learning what is good and what's not good. He is learning ideas of leadership and of governance. He is learning, watch this, in the Egyptian house, a house that he should be a slave in, he has the favor of being a son in a position where he should be a slave out of that he starts to build a vision for himself out of that he starts to see that I could do what he's doing and I could perform what he's performing and we should be living at a certain standard and he goes out in the field one day and he's minding his own business and the Bible says that he sees a soldier that is Egyptian smack a Hebrew person that is of his lineage Somebody of the house he was born in just smacked somebody of the house that he is birthed in. So he was quiet about it, and the Bible says that Moses came over to the soldier, kills the soldier, and buries, so, buries him in the sand. Y'all didn't know that Moses had a body on him, did you? Mo Moses, y'all didn't know that. Y'all thought Moses was so sanctified. Moses got a body count, tattoo t Mo Moses, Mo Moses kills the man and buries him in the sand. And after he, he buries him in the sand and he goes back home to the Egyptian house. Y'all know this story. He's in the Egyptian house and a few, uh, a few ticks later, he comes out of the house. He goes out to the field and this time he sees two of his brethren, Hebrew guys that are arguing together. He comes up to them and says, hey man, y'all can't argue. We brothers, y'all not supposed to be arguing with one another. Calm yourselves down. And the guy claps back at Moses and says, who put you as the judge over us? Don't think we didn't see you kill that man and put him in the ground. But because we are your brothers, y'all not talking back to me. 
because we are the fellowship of family that you came out of and you are in a place that we aspire to get to we're going to keep that to ourselves now you can go back home and act like you don't want to deal with us and be one of us but I want you to know that we are the ones y'all are not talking back to me that bopped to your music before RCA bought you out So, so he goes home, and while he's in the house, he is starting to notice that his people are just being done dirty, and his people are being done wrong. And, but he's starting to see, boy, they need a leader. Man, they need somebody to rise up. Man, they need somebody to speak for them. And God starts to put in, there, in his heart all the things that he saw when he was being exposed to while he was in Pharaoh's camp. He said, I know what excellence looks like. I know what, uh, what ex- uh, 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 value looks like. I know what honor looks like. I know how to speak to royalty I know what ingenuity looks like they need what I've been trained to have and I'm starting because of my exposure to have a vision y'all you seeing what I'm saying a vision for something that I'm not connected to you don't birth your own vision vision is birthed out of helping somebody else build a vision he gets it there. So vision should not make, vision makes you stick in while it is being incubated and developed before it can be birthed. What happens is we get a little bit of the fact that we're pregnant with a promise and we separate from the incubation stage. And we start our churches and they die. We start our ministries and they die. We start our businesses and they die because we didn't spend enough time in Pharaoh's house understanding what is it going to take for me to survive once I step out. The Bible says that eventually Moses got the idea that I can step out. He steps out, watch this, and he begins his dialogue with his Hebrew brethren about being slaves. The problem is, is that they know him to be one of them, not one of us. So now if you've got a vision, and even though God has given you vision, it doesn't mean that you don't serve. So what Moses had to do is Moses had to gain the support of his collaborators, his co-laborers, and he did that by serving with them and standing with them and casting a vision out. We don't have to be in slavery. We don't have to do like this. God spoke to me. We can pull this off. I know I'm from there, but I'm trying to tell you that I wasn't there to keep you in slavery. I was there so I can learn and teach you how to be free. And if you will be a co-laborer with me, if you'll collaborate with this vision that I have, we can do some things. And out of that vision, he went to Pharaoh with people that believed in him and say, let us go. They went to the desert for, uh, for X amount of years, and there was a young person, two young people that caught on to that vision, Caleb and, Jay, and jo- uh, Joshua. They were sitting in the, in the place after they come back from the promised land, and they realized that the vision that that man has We could be walking in it, but it's not time for us to walk away from that vision just because everybody else don't want to go. We're going to go without them. No, we're going to incubate for 40 years in the wilderness and let God grow the vision in us before we detach from Moses's vision. And when Moses got, when Moses was taken on the glory, God detaches Joshua and sets him up not to do his own vision, but the vision, the personal vision that was built out of the corporate community that he operated in your vision needs a community to operate in 
It needs to have some. You will not just wake up tomorrow and know how to be a boss of the business that's in your spirit. You've got to serve somebody until you get it. Boy, I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen. I'm preaching better. Now, now you can have boss potential in your spirit and have employee mentality in your mind. And you'll be dissatisfied because you'll be operating as an employee, but you'll have, the, you'll have something pushing on you like you're a boss. So if you ignore it, which is what frustration and rejection and hurt and disappointment will cause us to do, it'll cause us to just simply ignore the fact that there's something inside of us trying to get out. Nah, it ain't going to work out trying to get out. Nah, it ain't going to work out trying to get out. Being in the corporate space helps you Develop what it is you should be operating in. And when it's time to detach, here's what's got to happen. The fourth principle has to happen. When you detach, your vision now has to be drawn out of you. Vision doesn't just come out. It has to be drawn out. Vision doesn't just get, it doesn't just, somebody, God has to send somebody into your world that sees you differently than you see you he has to send somebody that the bible watch what the proverb says proverbs 20 and he, he says this the purpose of a man's heart <laughs> the stuff that god gets now watch what he says now i want you to notice that this is not plural like the last one is the purposes of a man but now he's saying the purpose so now we've gotten all these men purposes out and we're dealing with the purpose that god had for our lives he said the god purpose of a man's heart is like deep waters but a man of understanding has to draw them out. I want you to see what the imagery that he's saying. The imagery is that, is that you're a well that has watered way down at the bottom of the well. Maybe further underground than the average person's well. Everybody's looking for the well that rises up and all you got to do is put your cup in and you're good. But God said that man, that the purpose of a man is not at the surface because God don't deal with petty surfacey people. He said, he puts it and draw all deep down in the earth is, is, the, is the vision of a person that's operating by purpose. And because vision doesn't just rise to the top and come out, he says that somebody that understands has to be the person to draw it out of you. That's why I could never go to anybody's church. I just couldn't because everybody did not understand but the, but how I got to that, the place that I was in. I couldn't let everybody pray for me. I couldn't let everybody speak to me. I couldn't let everybody encourage me, not because they were not trying to do good stuff, but because they would scratch, but I was itching at a place deeper than they had the ability to scratch. God, I'm preaching to somebody in this place. You've got to be careful who you let minister to you and who you let encourage you, or else you'll mess around and be average. You'll be average. For them, it'll be their excellent. But for you, it'll be your average. You've got to get to people that can get down deep where the water of your life is starting to tremble. Y'all are not talking back to me in this house. What? Listen, you're, now, how did my water get so far away from the surface of my mind and of my heart? Life happens. And when life happens, it draws the water out. When life happens, it evaporates your dream. When life happens, it pushes the water further and further down and now life has happened and, and hurt has happened and divorce has happened and 
death has happened and frustration has happened and rejection has happened and anger has happened and bitterness has happened and failing has happened and your dream is so far away from me and then you've got the nerve to go to somebody that's got a rope that's only this deep and when they put their rope in your well they never pull back water because they don't understand the depth of your pain God I'm preaching to somebody so God has to send you to a place of somebody that's been through some stuff that says that I don't have a short rope with you. I've got the kind of rope that'll get down to where God has called you to. I see you, girlfriend. I'm coming for you. I see you. Yeah, he walked out, but God still got a destiny on your life. I see you, homeboy. I know you've been in jail, but God's got a purpose for your life. I got rope to get to your destiny, and God has called me y'all not talking back to me not to just touch it but to draw it out of you I need you to find two people and touch them real quick and tell them your vision is coming out in 2020 I said find a couple folk and tell them your vision is being drawn out of you in 20 somebody knows why you cry Somebody got why you were dissatisfied. Somebody bought into why you were frustrated. And God is telling that person, speak into his life, speak into her life, and remind her that you can win after divorce. You can win after bankruptcy. You can win after failing. You can win after, y'all not talking back to me. You can beat addiction. You can beat it in the name of Jesus. And when, now, now here's the thing, here's the thing. You can't let lightweight people put their bucket in your well. Woo, I'm preaching to you in this house. See, they had to put a weight on the bucket. And when the bucket would go down in the water, the bucket, it would hit the water and go down into the water. See, a bucket that didn't have weight had to be pushed into them. And there are too many people that are forcing themselves to do ministry to you. I don't want you to force yourself to minister to me. Because, because when you hit the water, when your bucket hits the water, it won't go in. It'll float on the top. I need somebody that's got some depth to them, that's got some weight to their words. That's got, he said, so when they put the weight in, when it hits my water, it's going to go down and pull the best of me out. And that, this is how you know, this is how you know, because they're not trying to get to you. When there's weight on the rope, it's falling towards you. That's why he said goodness and mercy are going to follow you. It's chasing you down. It's running after you. It's coming down the pipe to get to you. I don't know who I'm talking to, but don't, don't run from it. Embrace it because God is trying to pull his vision out of your life. If I'm preaching to you, shout amen and give God a praise in this house. Give him a praise in this house. Give him a praise in this house. And God sent me here this morning to draw the water out of you. God help me, Holy Ghost. 
God sent me here this morning to pull a vision out of you. God sent me here this morning to tell you to write the book. He sent me here this morning to tell you to start the business. He sent me here this morning to tell you to ask her to marry you. He sent me here this morning to tell you to be free and set and whole again. He sent me here this morning to pull out the vision that God spoke over your life and I'll draw it out of you now in the name of Jesus. Somebody with vision, give God a shout of praise. I said give God a shout of praise. Inventions in Jesus' name are coming out of you now. Books are coming out of you now. Ideas are coming out of you now. All for the glory of God. But you gotta let it be drawn out. Who am I preaching to in here this morning? Who is getting something out of this this morning? Give God a praise. Give God a shout if you're being blessed this morning. It's coming out of you. I know you're scared to say it, but I prophesy millionaires in this house. It's coming out of you. I know you're scared to say it, but I declare you're going to be pregnant this year in 2020 the right way. I know you're scared to declare it, but diabetes is going to move out of your body. Health is going to happen in your journey. Been by the word of God in that I draw it out of you. I'm not disciplined enough for it. I draw the discipline out of you. In the name of Jesus. Somebody shall see something else. See something else. Your life is not a train wreck. See something else. Your life is not about brokenness. See something else. I was broken, but God is the kind of God that'll put you back together again. Tell your neighbor, see something else. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost. I speak to your vision. I speak to the water in your well. I speak to the water in your spirit. I declare it to start trembling now. Stir up the gift, sir. Stir up the gift, woman of God. You didn't dream the wrong dream. It's coming. It's coming. You went through too much. You just got a long shaft that I've got to pull you out of. But it's coming. You dreamt the right dream. You spoke the right word. The prophet didn't miss when she told it to you. God, I feel his presence. I feel his presence. I'm trying to get out of here, but if I'm preaching to you, I want you to give God a praise right where you're standing, right where you're sitting. If I'm talking to you, if you're watching online, you ought to give God a praise. You ought to give God a praise. You ought to give him a shout. You ought to give him a shout. Vision is coming to pass. It's not just happening, it's gonna come to pass, baby. It's not just happening, brother, it's gonna come to pass. It's not just, you're not just seeing, you're gonna do what you see. God, and God is gonna give you something else to see because eyes haven't seen and ears haven't heard. He said, what's in your spirit? It's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. But I'm too old. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. But I messed up. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. But I don't know how. I'll show you how. It's coming, it's 
God. Stand up, stand up all over this building. I need to pray for you. I need to pray for you and I need to take you home, send you home. Y'all a loud bunch. Y'all are awfully loud bunch. Y'all are awfully loud bunch. But the Bible said that the redeemed of the Lord oftentimes says so. I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed. And in the redemption of your soul was the redemption of God's promises to you. In the name of Jesus, 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 Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I pray a resuscitation of the dream. I pray a resuscitation of the dream. Deuteronomy means second time, the second speaking of the word. God, speak it to us a second time. Speak it to us a second time. If you want me to do it, then you got to tell me. You got to tell me on the other side of being broken. Now I'm whole, God. Do you still want me to be an author? Do you still want me to be a mother? Do you still want me to be a father? Do you still want me to be a spouse? Now I'm on the other side of it. Do you still want me to run a business? Now that I've been on, I'm on the other side of loss, do you still want me to do it, God? Speak it to me again. Speak it to me again. Put the vision back in front of us. Uh, he told the prophet, write down the vision and make it plain. Because I'm going to send you some collaborators, co-laborers. I'm going to send people to help you bring it to pass in this life. People are going to walk from professional organizations are going to say, look, I'm good at this. I can help you. People are going to see you working and trying. They're going to say, look, I am good at this. I can help you bring that to pass. God's not going to bring you a bunch of average and rinky-dink folk to bring an excellent thing to pass. That's not what he's going to do. He's going to bring somebody into your life. Keep your eyes open because somebody better than you is going to come and say, listen, I see you trying. Let me help you get it off the ground. Lift those hands. I feel it. I feel him, I feel him, I feel him, I feel him in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. But it's time to walk out what you see. It's time to walk out what you see. So God, I do give you praise. And I give you glory and honor. And I thank you for this word. And I honor you for this moment of being with you. Of you reminding us that you have not forgotten us. And reminding us that I'm not crazy because I got so many plans in my heart, but God, I want your purpose now. I, I just want to spend my last years on your purpose. I want to give my best, most relevant years to, to, to doing your purpose. I want to give my best, I want to give my youth to doing your purpose. <laughs> 